0: Welcome to the Liquid Church Podcast, a place where you can hear the timeless truth of God's Word in a way that's culturally relevant and cutting edge. With each message and series from Pastors Tim and Nathan, we hope you'll discover how God's story relates to your own and that you will leave feeling encouraged. Thanks for joining us and enjoy the message. What's up, everybody? Hey, I am Pastor Tim. So glad that you could join us for week three of our series, Skeptics. Welcome. If you are kicking the tires of faith. Maybe you've got questions or doubts or maybe you're returning to church after being away for some time. Man, you are welcome here. In fact, let's give a big welcome to Church Online, our live locations. <laughs> Great to see you guys. Glad you're here. Hey, before we dive in, let me just remind you, next week we're going to be hearing from a special guest, my friend John Dickerson, an award-winning journalist. He is author of the book, Jesus Skeptic, a journalist explores the credibility and impact of Christianity. And John's going to share his story about being a professional skeptic or investigative journalist who asked a pretty provocative question. He said, do Jesus' teachings hold back social justice or do they actually advance human progress? Is Christianity toxic to society or is it beneficial to human flourishing? And Dickerson based his research on historical evidence. He used all of his investigative training to look at historical manuscripts, real-life people, objective artifacts, not just the Bible. And he writes this, he says, when it comes to Christianity— My 10-year investigation has convinced me that my generation of Americans, millennials born in the 1980s and 90s, has been largely denied the truth about Christianity's influence and record on social justice. We've been told the negative moments in Christian history and the positive moments from other world belief systems, but we have not been exposed to the whole truth of the Christian record so that we can decide for ourselves whether Jesus' teaching and movement Would be helpful to our personal lives and to the positive society we want to build so don't miss next week john dickerson is a first-rate intellect and i think he's going to engage both skeptics those who have doubts and questions but also encourage believers and give you confidence in what you believe now secondly next sunday is also our winter outreach it's called meet the need and if you're new to liquid you should know community outreach is just part of our dna who we are as a church and we want to share and show the love of jesus by serving our neighbors in need. So next Sunday, we're going to be making scars for the homeless, packing hygiene kits for domestic violence shelters, and a lot more. So we just want to be Christ followers who elevate the lives of our neighbors. Understand something. You don't have to be a Christian for us to love on you. And that outreach is going to happen right after Sunday service at every campus. So bring your family, help meet the needs. Sound good? All right. Today, I want to talk to you about Jesus, faith, and science. It's a pretty hot topic Because a lot of skeptics believe faith and science are incompatible. Like, you can't be a person of deep intellect and deep faith in a God that you can't see. So let me begin by showing you a provocative picture. Take a good look at this. Obviously, you're looking at two different images, but they look strikingly similar. Anybody want to guess what they are? On the left, you have a picture of a stained glass window. It is iconic. It's the famous rose window from Westminster cathedral. Now on the right, you're looking at anybody know? It's actually a cross section of a DNA molecule. DNA or deoxyribonucleic acid. It's the chemical name for that little molecule that carries your genetic code. Now, DNA is the body's recipe book. It holds the instructions for making all the proteins in the human body. Now, this what's unique here is it's it's a very unique view of DNA. It's not from the side of the double helix but it's looking down the long axis so you see that beautiful radial pattern. Isn't it striking when you look at them side by side? Well, guys, the rose window and DNA raise a compelling question. Are faith and science more compatible than we think? Because they really represent two different worldviews, right? You have like a a scientific worldview and you have a spiritual worldview. And the question is, does a thinking person have to choose? Is it like a binary choice? If you're a thoughtful person, a person with intellectual integrity, do you have to throw in your lot with with faith or science and throw out one to embrace the other? Or is it possible that science and faith are more compatible than we think? I find a lot of skeptics, a lot of people today, in fact, just assume that faith and science are somehow at war and there's no way to reconcile them. But the reality is, if you examine the evidence, you will find that devout followers of Jesus Christ, believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, have played a leading role in the scientific revolution, which in turn unleashed an avalanche of innovation in our modern world. So let's just start there. What exactly is the scientific revolution? If you put your little uh, history cap on, you remember maybe from high school, it was a very unique time in human history when the mysteries of the universe were unlocked by a relatively small group of people, mainly in Europe. And Most people accept the dates for the scientific revolution from 1543 to 1687. And during this time there was an avalanche of discoveries in mathematics and physics, astronomy, biology, chemistry that transformed society's understanding of nature. It led to all these, an explosion of life-changing discoveries like gravity, calculus, telescopes, electricity, chemistry. It paved the way for modern medicine, for germ theory, all the stuff we take for granted today. Now, what's interesting is that the scientific revolution took place during a time of spiritual revival, intense Christian belief known as the Protestant Reformation. And you'll see that Reformation took place between the years of 1517 and 1648. You see the words protest and reform in the title. The Reformation began when followers of Jesus became concerned about corruption in the Catholic Church. So what did they do? They protested. That's why they're called Protestants. They began actually saying, you know what? I don't have to have a priest. I I can actually read the Bible for myself, read God's word, rather than trusting the dogma of priests in the formal church. So you had reformers like Martin Luther, who had a very simple goal. They wanted to reform the church, return the Christian faith to a more pure expression of what Jesus actually taught in the Gospels. Cleanse the church of corruption, evil, and politics. But what I want, why did I give you this little history lesson? Take a look at the two dates and notice something. The scientific revolution followed hot on the heels of the Protestant Reformation. The dates literally overlap each other. And they took place in the exact same part of the world. Guys, that is no coincidence. Because of the Reformation, society was suddenly open to increased reading and learning independent thought. And the population of Europe was now majority Christian and people were reading the Bible and thinking for themselves. So in the sciences, uh, you know, ancient dogma now was open to questioning and resulted in this this explosion, this avalanche of discoveries that you and I benefit from today. Think of it this way. It's like the world was coming out of the dark ages and it was like somebody, click, click, turned the light bulb on. (laughs) You ever wonder that? Like what took our world from dwelling in darkness and ignorance to the light? What brought humanity out of the dark ages? In the Gospel of John, Jesus Christ made this claim. Jesus said, I am the, let's say it together, church, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me, so whoever follows Jesus puts into practice his teaching. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have what, church? The light of life. Now, we know Jesus made many claims in his time on earth. He claimed to be the Son of God. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And here in John, Jesus claimed to be the light of the world. Now, there's a lot of lights in our world today, but there's only one light of the world, right? You you see this in the physical world around you. I mean, right now, winter's pretty tough because it's so dark. Quick survey, how many of you get depressed in the afternoon because it gets dark so early, right? Yeah, it's crazy. I'll come out at work, it's pitch black, and I'll be like, oh, is it time for bed? No, it's 4.15. That's kind of a picture of the dark ages of human history, right? Knowledge was obscured, understanding limited. People lived in just intellectual darkness. This is a moment when people thought the earth was flat. I guess you can still find them on YouTube today. (laughs) This is when people thought sickness was caused by evil spirits, not germs. There was no heat. There was no electricity. It's darkness. But you guys know what happens when the sun suddenly, boom, bursts on the scene. It lights up the whole world, doesn't it? The presence of light, it fills you with, with life and hope. Ah, the warmth of God's love, the hope of a thaw. Again, Jesus made this promise. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever becomes a follower of mine will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In other words, Jesus said, not only have I come to reveal to you the the love and the grace of God for humanity, that's spiritual light, but my followers, whoever follows me, will never walk in darkness, ignorance. They They will have the light of life, Jesus promised that he would enlighten his followers so that their quality of life was illuminated and elevated for everybody around them. And guys, that's a picture of what happened in the scientific revolution that was sparked by the Protestant Reformation. The light bulb went on in the realms of both faith and science, and together it ignited an avalanche of discoveries that transformed our modern world. So who led this revolution? I mean, if you guys recall, again, I'm, I'm taking you back. Middle school science. Do you remember world famous scientists with names like Isaac Newton, Johannes Kepler, Blaise Pascal? Those three had something in common. All were devout followers of Jesus Christ. They were devoted to the word of God. Again, don't take my word for it. What we're doing this series is we're looking at the historical evidence. And if you start with Isaac Newton, you probably remember a picture in school of Newton sitting under an apple tree and he'd get hit in the head with a falling apple. Oh, gravity. Newton is the gravity guy, but he didn't just discover gravity. He defined the laws of motion on which all of science is founded. Newton is the most influential scientist in human history. He was a physicist, an astronomer, an inventor, a mathematician. Albert Einstein actually kept a picture of Newton on his on his wall of his study. You talk about wicked smart. Newton invented calculus. Catch that, kids. Newton didn't do calculus homework. The guy created it which I know you could be like, that's sort of evil. I get get what you're saying, okay? But Newton published his discoveries in a three-book collection called Principia. And what's striking if you read it is that Newton viewed his scientific discoveries through the lens of his faith in God, specifically Jesus Christ. In Principia, Newton writes this. He says, this most beautiful system of the sun, planets, and comets could only proceed from the counsel and dominion of an intelligent and powerful being, This being governs all things, not as the soul of the world, but as the capital L, Lord over all. And on account of his dominion, he is wont to be called Lord God. In other words, Newton inferred the existence of God from the solar system. And his discovery in science actually led him to a greater conviction and passion for Christ. Did you know this? Newton actually wrote around 4 million words about God, and his relationship to the universe. Take a look at this page from Newton's Notes. It's, you can, again, you can read these in a university library, but it combines his study of science with theology, his study of God. And the fact is, Newton wrote more about Jesus than he did about science and mathematics. <laughs> Here's a direct quote from his journal. This is life, that they may know the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. That's from John chapter 17, verse three. Newton believed in his heart That Jesus of Nazareth was God. That he died on the cross for the sins of the world. Bridging our way to God. Literally rising from the dead. And that he promised to return and repair the human condition. Now, Newton was a generational genius, okay? And what he would do is he would study the Bible over and over in different languages. The original ones. Hebrew, Greek, Latin, Syriac, ancient tongues. He even, this is kind of crazy. He would even take physical measurements from the Old Testament temples and he'd apply them to the universe. Here's another quote from his writings. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Guys, you don't have to ask experts what Newton believed about Jesus. You can read it with your own eyes. Same with Johannes Kepler. Like Newton, Kepler was a key figure in the scientific revolution. He discovered the laws of planetary motion, how the earth actually orbits around the sun, not the other way around, how the moon goes around the earth and so on. And that became the foundation of modern astronomy. (laughs) Right now we look at like, you know, Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos blasting off to the moon. Wasn't going to happen without Kepler. Here's a picture of the Kepler telescope. Guys, the first telescope that NASA actually named their modern telescope after, the Kepler telescope. How many of you here, just kind of curious, how many of you wear eyeglasses? You got eyeglasses on? I see a couple over here. Okay, you can thank Kepler. <laughs> Kepler invented eyeglasses, the telescope, the pinhole camera. And growing up, Kepler wanted to be a pastor. But his professors made him switch to math because he was like so brilliant at it. So Kepler continued to be a devout follower of Jesus, even as he would make these world-changing discoveries. He wrote a famous book about astronomy. It's called, I'm going to mispronounce, it's called like Mysterium Cosmographicum. It just translates to cosmic mystery. And Kepler wrote these words. Before the universe was created, there were no numbers except the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which is God himself. For the line and the plane imply no numbers. Here infinitude itself reigns. Let us consider, therefore, the solids. In other words, Kepler looked into the sky through his lenses and he envisioned the Christian Trinity, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, in the solar system, that the natural world was just a mirror of the divine. Again, faith and science together. He actually saw his work as a scientist, as a religious calling. In a letter to his mentor, Kepler wrote this. He said, I wanted to become a theologian. He said, for a long time, I was restless. Now, however, behold how through my effort, God is being celebrated in astronomy. Can I encourage those of you who work in the sciences, those of you who work in healthcare, maybe you're a doctor, a nurse, maybe you're in pharmacology, maybe you're in R&D, Or you're a college student in biology or chemistry or physics. Maybe you're a science teacher. Kepler saw no distinction between his calling as a scientist and his spiritual faith in Christ. He said one illuminates the other. All of his inventions. Think about it. Telescopes, eyeglasses, lenses, literally brought light to millions of people. Again, what did Jesus promise? He said, I am the what? Light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Guys, the lights that you and I now see by in the modern world exist because of the scientific discoveries made by followers Jesus, like Kepler and Newton. Like, have you ever wondered what inspired some of the greatest breakthroughs in human existence? Like decoding DNA, you know, developing medicine, electricity, how about your cell phone? How is it right now, can we just pause, even church online? How is it that you're watching this on a screen? <laughs> powered by a microprocessor, a supercomputer, that's actually in your pocket. Well, you can thank Blaise Pascal for that. Pascal is a world famous mathematician, physicist, inventor, and his influence in science and math is so great that you guys know certain programming languages are called Pascal (laughs) after this guy's discoveries. Do you want to see a picture of the first computer in history? You have a cell phone in your pocket. This is the first ever mechanical calculator that Pascal made himself. He actually built it by hand, physically pounding each piece of metal to create this. Now this predates other machines that claim to be the first categories, but more than a hundred years he did it in his 20s. What'd you do in your 20s? <laughs> I'm like, man, I, I was going to Smashburger. <laughs> now I want you to think about this. Pascal did this in a world where people are still chopping firewood to heat their house. This is a world where you know, washer, dryer, They have antibiotics, nothing's been invented yet. Like exactly how brilliant do you have to be to imagine, design, and then fabricate the first mechanical computation device, a forerunner of the computer? Guys, Blaise Pascal was a genius. So the question is, where did he get this inspiration? Again, we know, because you can read his writings yourself. Following his conversion to Christianity, Pascal, this is beautiful. He wrote a passionate poem about his faith. It actually is almost embarrassing. It's so intimate, Clint, that it feels like a worship leader would have written this. He wrote this passionate poem about Jesus and he sewed it into his coat so that it would be close to his heart. Again, this is very passionate. It's translated from the French. Pascal's poem reads, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, not of the philosophers and of the learned, God of Jesus Christ, my God. Your God, forgetfulness of the world and of everything except God. He is only found by the ways taught in the gospel. Grandeur of the human soul, righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you. Joy, joy, tears of joy. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God and the one that you sent, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, I left him. I fled him, renounced him, crucified. Let me never be separated from him again. Hello. (laughs) Is this some, you know, dispassionate scientist? You know, Dr. Spock, I feel no emotion. (laughs) These are not the words of somebody who's passively a Christian or casually a Christian, name only. Well, my parents were Christians. These are the burning yearnings of someone who is firmly convinced that Jesus Christ is the creator God come down from heaven and he has the power to give peace, purpose, and eternal life. Like I just like, can can I ask, do you have a poem sewn into your jacket about your burning passion for Christ? I'm telling you, man, these scientists were set afire with faith and it transformed the world. When you look at the writings of the founding fathers of the scientific revolution, you will see their entire way of viewing the world and the universe was through the lens of Jesus Christ as God. A real being who they were convinced was as real as gravity. They believed Jesus to be a God who created the universe and who runs it with order and predictability. And their passionate faith was the inspiration for unlocking the secrets of science. Things no other human had done in the hundreds of years before them. Guys, the reality is this. I defy you, if you remove Christian influence from world history, you and I would still be stuck in the dark ages. Like every inventor who came after these guys built upon their foundational work, from Thomas Edison to Albert Einstein. If you have heat in your house, you can say thank you. Everyone say thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Kepler. If you get sick, a doctor gives you antibiotics, you can say thank you. Thanks, guys. Our modern homes, our hospitals, heaters, lights, air conditioning, cell phones, all are the resulting technology. I mean, just like ponder that. Again, I know this is a lot. You're like, this is like a college course. Let's take a brain break. Tell your neighbor, brain break, brain break. My brain's broken. Okay, let's play a game. Okay, come with me. Jump in Pastor Tim's time machine. Imagine right now, it's not the year 2022. Let's pretend it's the year 22, okay? 22 AD, you are living at the time of Jesus. Like, what was the world like? Like where was human knowledge? (laughs) The reality is is, is you and I don't have a clue how difficult life was for people before us. I mean, you and I, right, we've got open access to education, healthcare, freedom, food, clean water, electricity. We're like, of course, man, that's so basic. No, (laughs) that's the exception in human history. Ancient people, if you were living in Egypt under Pharaoh or in an Aztec tribe in Central America or in Jesus's world under a Roman empire, you can't imagine it. Actually, try, close your eyes. I want you to try to imagine this. Ready? You have never taken a warm shower in your life. Never. You have no electricity. If you are one of the fortunate who've lived past the age of 10, you will not survive your 40s. Some of you are like, I'm not surviving them right now. am <laughs> I want you to imagine it's the year 22 AD, and what that means is you have already watched two or three of your siblings die in front of your eyes in your house. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. There's a very good chance that you are a slave. You don't know how to read. You've never read. You have never read a text message, a tweet, nothing. You have no access to education, nobody to teach you. I want you to imagine you went home today after church and your toilet didn't work, your sink didn't work because there's no indoor plumbing. Oh, you have none. And the reality is you wish you did because you have dysentery every day, diarrhea, because human waste contaminates the water where you live. Nobody in your community, by the way, knows why, because germ theory hasn't been invented. You probably believe the earth is flat. You probably believe that spirits control people and maybe they require the sacrifice of children or crops to appease the gods. How do you work? Are you a knowledge worker? Do you get cramps, carpal tunnel syndrome? Doubtful. You work with your hands from sunrise to sunset. You're digging in a field, you're herding animals, you're gathering food or serving as a soldier. Wars and violence, by the way, are normal. Peace is abnormal. Your home at any moment may be pillaged or destroyed at some point. And if not, you're probably the soldier who pillages and destroys other people's homes. And you will almost certainly die on a battlefield. Not from a sword, not a spear, but a wound that actually just gets infected and ends up killing you. There's no antibiotics, there's no hospitals, there's no aspirin, they don't exist. There's no glasses or contacts, and shocker, just brace yourself, brace yourself. I know this is hard, I know this is hard. You don't have YouTube or TikTok. You don't have texting, cause you don't have a phone, nobody does, I know, very scary. Okay, everyone take a deep breath. Okay, everyone breathe. Okay, brain break over. <laughs> Welcome back to the year 2022, isn't it awesome? Here's reality. You are living in the top 2% of all the people to ever live on planet Earth. Keep this up there. If we simplified all the people who ever lived in humanity, in world history, down to just a group of 100 people, everybody right now who lives in America or Europe, you would be the top two out of that 100 people. So everybody turn to your neighbor and say, I'm the top 2%. Good, I'm the top 2%. Type in the chat. I'm the top 2%. I know you're like, it doesn't feel like it, Tim. I live in New Jersey. The taxes are... Cr- I get it, I get it, I get it. Perspective. Bro, you got a warm home. <laughs> you got running water. You got electricity. You got ample food. You got access to a doctor. Modern medicine if you're sick. A cell. You have a cell phone. You have social media. Though an argument could be made that's taking us back to the dark ages. Just saying. You live twice as long... You have better healthcare, education, more access to food, freedom, prosperity than any other person in human history. In other words, guys, you enjoy a far better lifestyle and longevity of life than 98 out of 100 people in all of human history. What's my point? I can't say this enough. You and I are living in extraordinary times. We are living on a hinge point in global history. And if you examine the evidence Jesus' claim to be the light of the world has come true and benefited all of us. Look how he described his followers in Matthew. He said, not only am I the light of the world, he says what? You are the light of the world. You should illuminate the world for people. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they do what? They put it on its stand and it gives light everybody in the house, everybody around you will be able to see. In the same way, he says, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify who? Your Father in heaven. Guys, when you look at history, specifically the scientific revolution, the Protestant Reformation, Christ's followers were at the forefront of illuminating the world with discoveries, breakthroughs, medical advances, they were motivated by the gospel. This belief that God was good, orderly, predictable, he sent Jesus Christ to die for their sins and raise to life to save their souls. So you know what they did? They said, he saved my soul. I'm gonna dedicate my mind to God. And they created life-changing innovations that have illuminated our world and improved human life for the better. I mean, your life right now in 2022, did you, you don't even know this. It's still being impacted by the breakthroughs of these Christian pioneers. Take COVID, right? Can we talk COVID? Hey, can we, ooh, I'm gonna do something risky. Can we talk vaccines for a minute or will that start a riot? I don't, <laughs> I don't know. People just start punching each other when they talk about vaccines. I understand that could be a controversial issue for some, some folks, but can we just rewind the clock? Again, let's jump in my time machine. We're going back 200 years. How about that to the early 1800s? Seriously, go with me back. Let's say the late 1700s. If you and I are alive, there is a global pandemic, and it's not COVID. It's called smallpox. Smallpox was a terrible disease. In fact, on average, three out of every 10 people who got it died. If you get queasy, turn your eyes from this next photo. I'll put it up for a few minutes just to give you a sense of the horror. Here's a 13-year-old boy who had smallpox. It was like chickenpox that spread all over the face and the body would actually consume it. And get in your eyes, people would go blind, and then they would die. Smallpox was a global scourge. And up to that time, it had killed 500 million people. Now, just process that. I'm not talking about infections. I'm talking about deaths. In other words, more people died, 500 million, than the entire population of the U.S. right now. So understand, come back to me. Don't freak people out with that picture. (laughs) Smallpox was way more deadly than COVID. COVID and there was literally no hope for a cure. There's no such thing as vaccines. But in the middle of this pandemic, God, Jesus, plants a follower who would turn the tide. His name was Edward, Edward Jenner. Edward was orphaned at age seven. He lived a very difficult life, but he was raised by church-going people. He was raised to believe in God, and Edward became a medical doctor, and he just had this, this crazy idea. It sounded nuts to people at the time. Edward lived on a farm, and what he noticed is that the milkmaids, these are women who milk cows, yeah, for a living, we're back, remember, 1800s, they're milking cows. He noticed that the milkmaids had gotten cowpox on their hands, and the ones who had cowpox were protected from smallpox. Cowpox was like a much milder disease, it wasn't as serious, you just get these small blisters and bumps like on your hands, nobody died, people would recover from it. Edward noticed is that the milkmaids who got cowpox didn't seem to get smallpox. And so he had this radical idea. He said, what if we took like a, a small amount of cowpox and intentionally put it into somebody? W- would they be immune from smallpox? Sounded like a crazy idea. People made fun of him. So Edward did a radical experiment. Hold your breath. He took his 11-month-old son and he made a small incision into his son's hand and put cowpox into his own flesh and blood, knowing cowpox would be unlikely to kill him. He then allowed his son later to be exposed to smallpox, and sure enough, his son lived. He was immune, protected from the disease. Edward Jenner ended up inventing the medical breakthrough of what today we call the first vaccine. In fact, it came so directly from his work that when you say the word vaccine, you're actually saying the Latin word for cowpox. Vaccinia virus, that is the Latin name for cowpox. And smallpox became the first disease in human history eradicated by a vaccine. Isn't that incredible? That's a Christ follower, lighting up the world. Edward Jenner, he's known as the father of immunology. And today, you can say thank you. We have vaccines for polio, vaccines for measles, for meningitis, and of course, now for COVID. Jenner is credited with saving, listen to this, more lives than any other human in history. I actually came across this article, my research. is called The Christ Follower Who Saved a Billion People. Not a million, B, a billion people. World-changing impact. Time out. I still see some of you like, you're just... Here's a question. Are some of you shocked that he put cowpox into his own son? Are <laughs> you like, dude, that's like, holy, call Diphus. Are you, are you a little curious where he got the idea to sacrifice his own son to save the world? You don't have to guess. Let me show you what Jenner wrote. In his lifetime, he was mocked by people who said, don't put pox in me, this guy's crazy. But days before his death, Jenner said to a friend, he said, I'm not surprised that men are not grateful to me, but I wonder that they are not grateful to God for the good which he has made me the instrument of conveying to my fellow creatures. Guys, Edward Jenner was a devout follower of Christ, and he believed the whole purpose of his life was to be a tool in the hands of a God to help the poor and heal the sick. And right now, one out of three of us listening right now are alive and healthy because you were vaccinated against things like smallpox and polio. Thanks to God for lighting the way through Edward Jenner. Amen? Again, remember the command of Jesus to his followers in Matthew 5? He said, in the same way that I'm the light of the world, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. Praise God for Edward Jenner, amen? The fathers and mothers have gone before us. What's the point? Are you missing the big E on the eye chart? Guys, the innovations, the breakthroughs of the scientific revolution were pioneered by devout Christ followers who saw their good deeds as glorifying their father in heaven. They let their light shine before men and it led us out of the dark ages. In fact, the role of Christians was so significant This is pretty cool. There's a sociologist by the name of Rodney Stark, and he researched the 52 most influential scientists. And he found that 98% of the founders of the scientific revolution were committed Christians. 98%, only 2% of the 52 most influential scientists were not Christian. Within that 98%, more than half were devoted believers like Newton and Pascal, who wrote at length about Jesus and the personal journals and writings. So if you're a skeptic or you have doubts, and doubts are good. They're good. It means you're on a journey. You're inquiring. If you wonder whether whether faith and science, are these really compatible? I would just encourage you to have the intellectual integrity to actually read their writings for yourself. Let these brilliant minds speak to you about true faith. There are scores of other Christ followers who changed the world with scientific breakthroughs, including Robert Boyle. You've probably heard of Boyle's Law. He's the father of Modern chemistry. He's a pioneer in physics. He, Boyle actually argued that faith in Jesus Christ promotes a greater, sharper mind and leads to better scientific understanding. John Ray, he's the founder of modern biology. This is the first guy to define the species of animals and decipher the meaning of the rings inside a tree trunk. Like Newton and Pascal, John Ray wrote entire books about Jesus Christ in addition to his writing about science. One book is entitled, I think you'll love this. Look at this. Here's a cover, cover page. The Wisdom of God manifested in the works of the creation. They go together. He he demonstrated his belief that the best science grows out of a Christ-centered worldview. So again, to my skeptic friends, man, you are welcome here. And I just want to assure you, these are not cherry-picked examples. (laughs) Whether or not you personally believe, again, that's your right, right? You have to make your own decisions. Whether or not you personally believe the claims of Jesus Christ to be God, to be true, I just want to acknowledge something. It's the height of ignorance to act as if Christianity is incompatible with the world of science. That's a false dichotomy, false choice. Unless you are claiming to be smarter than Isaac Newton, okay, never suggest that faith in Jesus is anti-intellectual. The truth is, if you remove these Christ followers from history, you and I would be living in a world that doesn't understand planetary motion, basic physics, the circulation of blood, germ theory, and the foundations of modern medicine. So the question is this, skeptics. If these scientists were right about planetary physics and things like calculus, is it just possible that there actually is an eternal life with God like they wrote about and believed in their heart? And that this eternal life is found by knowing Jesus Christ, the man who claimed to be that God. Again, you have freedom. You have to examine the evidence and come to your own conclusion. I'll close with this. Let's go back to the rose window in the DNA molecule, right? Represents two different worldviews. One is faith. You see the stained glass from the cathedral. The other is science, cross-section of DNA. And we asked this question to start. We said, is it possible faith and science are more compatible than we think? Where'd you get that, Tim? That DNA molecule was provided by a modern geneticist named Dr. Francis Collins, who you may recognize as the director of the National Institutes of Health Dr. Collins is one of the leading scientists in the whole world today. He began, however, as a self-professed atheist. However, he started questioning his atheism in medical school. You know why? Because he met patients who clung firmly to their Christian faith while they were going through terminal illness. He didn't understand. How could they face death with, with peace, with hope? And it prompted Collins to research the historical evidence for Christ. So he started reading the writing of an Oxford scholar named C.S. Lewis. And at the age of 27, Dr. Collins put his faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And he described it this way. He said, a search to learn more about God's character led me, I followed the evidence, it led me to the person of Jesus Christ. Here was a person with remarkably strong historical evidence of his life who made astounding statements about loving your neighbor, And whose claims about being God's son seemed to demand a decision about whether he was deluded or the real thing. And after resisting for nearly two years, I just found it impossible to go on living in such a state of uncertainty. And I became a follower of Jesus. Now, Dr. Collins isn't somebody who's, you know, emotional and was in a broken state. This is a man who's impacted the entire world. He actually went on to become the global leader of the International Human Genome Project. In other words, it was his job to decode the 3.1 billion letters of the human genome. As Dr. Collins studied the DNA code written into your body, he said this, I have come to see DNA, the information molecule of all living things, as God's language, and the elegance and complexity of our own bodies and the rest of nature as a reflection Of God's plan. He actually wrote a book about it. I highly recommend it to you. I read it in uh, in the summer. It's called The Language of God. A scientist presents evidence for belief. Hardly recommend if you want to dive deeper. This question that you have to answer for yourself, are faith and science compatible? Is there a good God who loves me, who came to this world to transform it? In his own words, Colin renders his discovery this way. He said, I found there's a wonderful harmony and the complementary truths of science and faith. The God of the Bible is also the God of the genome, and God can be found in the cathedral or in the laboratory. By investigating God's majestic and awesome creation, science can actually be a means of worship. Isn't that beautiful? I want want you to think about that. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, and you work in Medicine, you're a doctor, a nurse, you work in the sciences, you're a researcher or a student. Let this encourage you. Your work is a form of worship. And if you're a skeptic, let that challenge you. To become a Christian, guys, you don't have to check your brain at the door. In fact, you're invited to join a long line of brilliant men and women, inventors and innovators over the centuries who have examined the faith of Christ under a microscope. You know what they've found? They have found Christ at the heart of creation. My hope, my prayer for you is that you will have the intellectual integrity to examine the evidence yourself and join them. Amen? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Whether you're a believer or not, let's just bow our heads in this moment, moment of clarity, of meditation, of prayer. Father, we thank you for illuminating our way right now. And I pray for those, Father, who are about to step across a line and put their confidence in an invisible God. Holy Spirit, would you reveal Jesus Christ to them right now? Again, maybe you're here and you have never made that decision to put your faith in Christ as the son of God. You know, Blaise Pascal had a wager. He said, if God does not exist, then if you're a skeptic, you lose nothing by believing in Christ. But if God does exist, if you're a skeptic, you gain everything, including eternal life. Maybe today you want to take Pascal up on his wager. put your faith in this God who created the universe and created the miracle of you and brought you to this moment and loved you enough to send his son Jesus to die for you. If that's you, you might pray as Dr. Collins prayed. Jesus, today, I believe. With my mind and with my heart, I believe that you are the Son of God. Thank you for creating this world. For creating me, I ask you to be Lord of my life. I don't understand everything, but I believe that you died for me. Forgive my sins. I turn from them. Father, I want to live for you. Would you illuminate my path? I want to be a light to this world. So would you be born again in my heart today? I ask that in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Welcome, to the family of God. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to check out Liquid Church for a weekend service, small group outreach, or clean water trip, you can find out more about us online at liquidchurch.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, go ahead and subscribe or share it with a friend. Thanks again for listening.